to the first episode of Jackson Rams Baseball. I am George Lochtekamp, joined by Sam Dwight Logan Hulse. Uh, today we will be talking about the American League predictions at the beginning of the year, where teams are at now, individual players that are having great seasons or slumping seasons. Um, we'll go into our MVP pick, our Cy Young picks, our Rookie of the Year picks, um, and have a great discussion about the American League and where it is today. So, how do you guys feel about the Twins? Let's start off, because we're all from Minnesota. Let's start off with how the Twins are doing. They were projected to go 83-79 and 79 this year, and right now their record stands at 40-48. and 48. Yeah, as a longtime Minnesota sports fan, a Twins fan, uh, this is Sam Dwyer speaking, by the way. Uh, you know, I've been pretty disappointed by the season this year. In general, if we look back at 2017, we finished with one of the best records in baseball down the stretch, especially a great started by a great end of July, August, and some hope going into September. Actually, played wild card game against the Yankees uh, before losing that. So coming into the season, definitely had high expectations. Saw the over under win total at slightly above 500, and certainly thought that was attainable since we're bringing back most of the core roster. Um, also with a few additions such as players like Logan Morrison who clearly have not performed and bringing in a, pan a pitcher such as Lance Lynn who has picked it up as of late but hasn't been great overall. Uh, so definitely disappointing uh, for our hometown Twins. Although I do see some potential for them to turn around the second half of the year. Certainly if we get healthy and have our young stars like Sano and Buxton play like they did down the stretch last year. Yeah, because right now, Sano's in single A. He went from getting second place in the home run derby last year to being in single A. How terrible is that? That is unbelievable. Yeah, I guess for me, this is Logan Hulse, by the way. For me, I kind of felt like the Twins arrived a year early last year. They kind of outperformed where everyone thinks they would have or should have been last year. And this season, it's kind of in the exact opposite where... We're sitting at eight games underneath 500 at the midway point of the season here, and I think everyone was kind of expecting us to be on the opposite end of that. Um, I could see some injuries or people underperforming, but in all honesty, I think we're just kind of more along this line of a level of a ball club at this point and need to consider additions or subtractions and go from there. So... Let's just look at the American League Central, first of all. The teams are absolutely terrible. So, the Indians are the only team above 500 right now. And I think, honestly, I think that they're underperforming, just in my opinion. Um, but the Twins are terrible. The Tigers are terrible. The White Sox are terrible. And the Royals are just unbelievably bad. Um, the White Sox, though, their farm system is great. They got cool. They got Kopech. They got... Jimenez, and they have a they have a great young core that I feel like they're gonna build with, obviously. Um, but it's gonna take like four years for them to become competitive, in my opinion. Uh, 
But the Indians, I feel like the Indians, uh, window is kind of closing. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that, but you guys can uh, whatever. Well, you know, I do agree. I think most people would agree that the Cleveland Indians are underperforming. I mean, they're at a they're what nine games above five hundred. They're forty nine and forty at this point in the season, which is actually only eight and a half games above where the Minnesota Twins are at. So as, as terrible as we say the first half of the season has been for Minnesota and the rest of the division, I wouldn't say the Indians are necessarily going to run away with it. Uh, although I do somewhat agree. I, I do kind of disagree, too. I mean, I've heard that, that thought kicked around about the Indians, uh, that their window might be closing because the Yankees are coming up, the Red Sox are coming up. Clearly, the Astros aren't going away anytime soon. Um, but really, I don't think... Anyone in our division, like you said, the White Sox being four years away, the Royals are a dumpster fire, the Tigers are pretty bad themselves, and in Minnesota are kind of spinning our wheels, normal Minnesota sports. So it's hard to say that their window is closing because you know if you make postseason baseball, you, you can really make things happen, especially if you have dominant pitching, which we can see from the Cleveland Indians staff, although their bullpen hasn't been great. I mean, you look at their starters and – you kind of say, who would you who would you pick out of that rotation that you'd really want to face in a postseason game? Yeah, I mean, I, I understand and agree with all that. I agree when saying that the Royals are an absolute dumpster fire. I mean, 25 wins in, what, 90 games so far? Um, just absolutely trash, and their farm system is basically in disarray. The White Sox, not any better at the pro level, most of their bullpen should be down in the minors. But like you stated, they have a nice farm system. So yeah, I could see them coming up, but they have no chance this year. The Tigers, not better as well. The Twins, I think with a couple moves, could try to compete this year. But in all reality, it's going to have to be competing for the AL Central. So I do not see the second place team in the Central catching either the Red Sox, Yankees, second place, or the Astros, Mariners, Athletics, second place. All right, so that takes us right into the stacked AL East because the Yankees are unbelievable, which the Yankees might end up getting Machado now, which would be crazy. Uh, You got Boston, who is arguably right up there with the Yankees, and Astros is the best team in the league. Um, And then you have just terrible teams in Tampa Bay, and the Orioles, and who else am I forgetting that's in the East right now? I wouldn't say terrible. I mean, that's not fair. I mean, we're going to make a lot of enemies on this show if we call a team above 500 as terrible. Okay, Tampa Bay is not good. They're playing way above what their capability is at this point. Yeah, but you got to be giving the team some credit. I mean, they're in the AL East, yet they're above 500. I mean... I don't disagree... With where George is coming from, but personally, I think the Rays are better than most people give them credit for. I mean, look at what Snell's doing with that roster and with that team. Archer's just coming back from the DL, so who says he can't start performing like he typically does? See, that's I the thing, no, though. With uh, Archer? The strategy behind what they're doing with the bullpen days, but, I mean, something's working. It seems to be doing okay for them so far, even though from the outsider's perspective, it looks utterly insane. But if it works, 
why change what you're doing? Yeah, I, yeah. And this and this team sent their closer back in May over to the Mariners. Yeah, Cole. I mean, this team was selling early yet, and they sent the another fan there too. Who's yeah. a solid outfielder? So I know he's old, but he's still a solid player. Yep. Former twin, good old friend. I love Denard. Um, how do you guys like the opener? Like the what the Tampa Bay is doing right now with the with the with the fifth rotation spot, they're just having the bullpen guy come in. How do you guys feel about that? As I'll, I'll let Logan speak to this one. He's more of the pitching guy. I'm more of the management and baseball operations side of things. So I'll let Logan take this one. I guess me as a – if I'm a starter in their farm system or their MLB rotation or something like that, it would probably irritate the crap out of me. But honestly, though, if you look at how they've performed on the games where they start – with a bullpen guy and then go to either a long reliever or one of their fifth or sixth starters or things like that. They've actually performed really well in those games this season. I heard a stat, I can't remember where it was, but where two or three of their better starting pitchers actually perform really poorly in the first inning of games. And then from then on, from like the second to the fifth or sixth inning, they actually perform really well. So I don't know if this is them trying to use an analytics approach to solve that issue that some of their pitchers have, or if they're just trying something new so that they don't burn up all their starting pitching and just allow guys to get more work more often. But honestly, to me, as crazy as it is, it seems to be working for them. Which is weird, because like, I'm, personally, I'm a starting pitcher, and I feel like like, everybody in the minors has got to be torqued because, I mean, they feel like that should be their rotation spot. Um, I know that their top prospect, like, Brett Honeywell, went down with UCL injury this year, um, so he's out for a while. I feel like he would be in that spot right now if he wasn't injured. Um, but I don't know. I feel like it's a it's a tough thing. And you, if you're, if you're the Rays, you have to sell this year because I don't see them competing with Boston or the Yankees anytime soon. But that's just my opinion. No, I agree with you. I, I don't think anyone would say the Tampa Bay Rays must be buyers. That'd be foolish. The only thing you have to be careful of is don't sell just to sell. Because, I mean, I, I could see them trying to trade out some pieces, but with guys like Archer, with guys like Snell, with guys like some of their young and upcoming players, you don't want to sell them just because you're doing poorly because then you're going to be like the Kansas City Royals for those 30 years where they just were never good and they'd trade away decent players just to try and get prospects back. Right. That's a good point. And we don't need to talk about him that much, but we should give Wilson Ramos a little bit of credit. Very uh, underrated player, in my opinion, not getting talked about all that much, but he's clearly an all-star and voted in by the fans, which is impressive for them to take notice of someone like Wilson Ramos. Yeah. The water flow doing his job. Okay, and before we move on to the West, let's talk about the all-star uh, rosters. I wasn't too happy with them. I feel like Snell got absolutely screwed. He's one of the top pitchers in the game right now. 
and I know this is not talking about the AL. This is about NL, or we're talking about the AL, but I know I'm going to bring up an NL player. Bryce Harper making the All-Star team is unbelievable. He's hitting below 200. I know he has a lot of home runs, but that is, that's, I could not believe that. I don't know what you guys think about it, but I, I could not believe it when I saw the rosters. You know, I was following votes the whole way through, so I really didn't have a surprise. He also has good publicity. He said he'll be in the home run derby if he gets voted into the All-Star game. I mean, if you look at the uh, the National League, they really just don't get as much attention as the American League. So you see yeah. the players out there, and it's like, do you really see any surprises? I mean, I don't see that many surprises. I'm, gra- I'm glad that Nick Markakis got some rec- recognition and received a lot of votes, actually. I believe he received the most votes out of any uh, any outfielder in the National League. Yeah, and I mean, in general, if you look at that roster, I mean, there's not that many big names, quote-unquote. I know uh, uh, Jose Ramirez, did he start last year? Did he make a start last year for the AL team? I uh, don't believe he was a starter. I do believe he made the, the roster, though. Yeah, he's. I, don't, I, mean, I know you guys both really love him. Um, I'm still on the fence. I'm not all in yet. But, I mean, well, I feel like that's a – he's he's performing very well this year. With you being on the fence, that just means you're behind the times and should probably catch up. I don't know about that. I feel like I, I don't jump ship easily, you know? Most definitely deserving of the start this year for sure. I'm honestly surprised – I agree that Manny Machado should be an all-star. He's hitting better this year. But him over someone like Lindor kind of shocks me because Lindor kind of gives you all of the pieces. He gives you the offense, but he also gives you outstanding defense where Machado has been absolutely horrendous at shortstop for defense purposes. And personally, okay, Machado's going to get moved. I think we can all agree on that. But, like, he wants to play shortstop so bad. I do not see that boding well for him in, like, a contract case scenario because if he says that he only wants to play shortstop, the teams that are going to go for him, they already have a shortstop. So I don't feel like – I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think he should be playing third base. Yeah, I, I won't disagree with that. I just want to point, point something out. Looking at the votes, so we're now focusing on the AL All-Star team here. Looking at someone like Manny Machado, who was voted in by the fans as a starter, he's voted in with 1.7 million votes. For reference, the leading vote-getter for the American League, Jose Altuve, 4.8 million. Yeah, that just so, shows how Jose Altuve is the best second baseman in the game. Well, I just want to say that's just that's just very lopsided. And even look at and then look at Jose Ramirez. So uh, the other side, the same side of the infield for the Cleveland Indians here. Jose Ramirez had 2.5 million votes. So really, someone like Lindor, who's having we could all agree a, a top 10 season for American League players, at least in my opinion, he's in my he's right on the outside of my top 10 for American League players so far this year. He he didn't get nearly as many votes as Jose Ramirez. He's clearly about a million votes behind. So really, I mean, what does that? I don't know if that says anything about his recognition or Jose Ramirez or Manny Machado or what. But why Manny Machado had for shortstop had the fewest number of votes for a player to get voted in as a starters. It also probably helps that there's 
quality shortstops. There's Lindor, Machado, Correa, who's currently hurt. There's, oh, who's the shortstop? Segura. Yep, Segura. Winning the final vote currently. He's out, so it doesn't matter. So, I mean, even Andrelton Simmons is having an unbelievable season compared to what he typically has. That's a good point. Offensively. And so, like, I think it's just the votes are more spread out this year as well. And Manny Machado likely gets it on name recognition only. But also, I hate the rule where each team needs to have at least one all-star because J.A. Happ should not be in there over Blake Snell. And he is there because the Blue Jays needed an all-star, and he was the most deserving player, kind of like Joe Jimenez from the Detroit Tigers making the roster as well. Yeah. But, like, even Jose Barrios, like, I'm a huge Jose Barrios fan because, you know, he obviously plays for the Twins and he's nasty. But, like, what is his ERA sitting at? Like, like a three five four right now when he is – he picked up his ninth win last on uh, Monday night, I think, um, which he was dominant in. But, like, him making the, like, okay, if you put Rosario in that slot for the Twins, I feel like you could put a Snell in because Snell is way more deserving than a lot of the pitchers on that list. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, we could we should probably stay away from talking about Twins too much, but Eduardo Escobar leading league in doubles, hitting over 300, OPS is right around 900, yet he's not making the All-Star game either, and Jose Barrios is in there above him. So, I mean, yeah, I agree that there are definitely some snubs, and I think the MLB does that really just from a fan perspective. I'm sure you guys agree with that too. Uh, Whether we agree or disagree with the system, we can understand why the MLB does it. We already know the MLB All-Star game isn't that overly popular. I mean, I know I enjoy it. I'm sure you guys enjoy it too, but they're trying to capture all the markets and all the fans. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can understand the reason for it. And all of the guys we're talking about will likely get in once all the injuries or other things happen and the replacements happen. But it just kind of sucks having guys get in because of replacements rather than getting votes that they actually yeah. I so. that. Um, all right so now moving out to the west see this is the west is probably like my favorite division to talk about right now because the angels i still think are in it i love this the mariners right now mariners are nasty and is they're going to get Cano back and i think they're going to make a run for a playoff spot i think they're sitting in the second wild card spot right now um, I think the Astros are obviously going to take that division pretty handily, and I'd make another series run. Um, but I love the Oakland Athletics. What are they? They're about 10 games over 500 right now? 11. Oakland A's 51 and 40. Yeah. Okay, so, like, if I'm Oakland, I don't go all in right now, but, like, at the trade deadline, I wouldn't mind adding some pieces because... Honestly, I feel like they can contend for a wild card spot because they got Sean Manaya, who's a pretty dominant starter. Um, I like the pickup that they made with Jonathan Lucor to get stability behind the plate. I think that was huge for them. They got like Matt Olson, Jed Lowry, who was having a great season. 
Yeah, awesome. never talked about, by the way. Never talked no, about. No, no. Chapman, third base, is a stud who's up and coming. Yeah, he's like, I mean, he's having a solid year this year. I think he's like 250 with like 15 bombs or something like that. But yeah, he also missed time with injury, and so that's with shorter plate, less plate appearances than most others. Yeah, but I honestly think if they can act like their closer is electric. Unbelievable. I don't know his name. What's How do you pronounce that guy's name? Search with Blake Simon. Yeah, he's electric. He throws 100 with Saint. That's crazy. Their um, setup guy isn't too shabby either. Trevino, yeah, he throws 100 and then a 92-mile-an-hour cutter. Like, that is nasty. I just looked him up on Pitching Ninja the other day because I was looking at him for fantasy, and it is pretty to watch as a former pitcher. Yeah. It's, it's impressive. Um, so I honestly feel like the A's are going to make a run at that wild card spot. I predict that they're going to um, – I, I feel like they're going to get it over Seattle. Um, unless Seattle unless Seattle makes a move. Like if Seattle makes a move to get a starting pitcher, because right now, okay, well, um, Felix went down with an injury, back tightness or something like that. So he's on the 10-day DL. And with those kind of injuries, you never know when he's going to come back, especially because well, he's getting older. Felix has an ERA, what, 5.3 or something? Okay, he hasn't been helpful anyways. I was just his floor is probably negative right now. It's not like he's actually helping their team. Okay, I was just going to say, you actually helping. You got Paxton leading their rotation, obviously. He's really good. But of course. LeBlanc, I mean, have you ever heard of him? You know, like he's Wade LeBlanc. I mean, I've heard of him. Yeah. Um, who's another guy they have in their rotation right now? Um, Marco Gonzalez has been turning it around after a slow start. Yep. He's been solid. And I but feel like that you can't really name guys off the top of your head. Yeah. If uh, let's see here. If Mike Leak? No. Okay, yeah. but like, if you're thinking of like in a best of five or a best of seven series. You get Paxton out there for game one, obviously. And then, who are you trusting after that? Are you going to throw LeBlanc out for a game two? Like, game one through seven. You know, I'm not going to argue for the Mariners. I just, you know, everybody see, everyone sees how many one-run ball games they've, they've won so far this year. I mean, we can all respect that as baseball players, former baseball players, for two of us, George, yourself, still playing in college here. That... It's it's not, there's a respect to being able to win ball games, win close ball games, but really I don't foresee the Mariners or the A's keeping this up. I mean, well, the Mariners are the Mariners are 23 games above 500. This is a yeah. team that was supposed to be uh, projected 80 wins at the beginning of the season. They're 23 wins away from their projection already this year. I'm not saying that we have to be slaves to predictions at the beginning of the season. It's just, it's a pretty good barometer to say they're clearly overperforming. And yeah. you're right. You look at the rotation and you say, do they have firepower to stick around the whole season? Can they, can they play 162 and still be there at the end? I mean, I mean, we, we agree that if they got into a wild card game, throwing out Paxton is, is pretty great. I mean, he's a great option, but, but early after that, what's next best of five? Right. My question is, is who do you see catching up to them exactly? I mean, 
I, I agree that I don't don't love them as a deep run playoff team. But as far as making it goes, outside of the athletics, there's nobody within eleven yeah, eleven games of them. So well, yeah, the yeah, the Rays are ten and a half back of the Mariners, Angels, you're right, eleven games back. I don't think that the Angels are gonna make a run. I think they're I, I, they're not going to make a run this year, and I don't think they're going to make a run for a while because they are really old. Pujols well, right, and you Asian. talk about starting. You're trying to figure out who's who's pitching for the Mariners, who's pitching for the Angels, who's, who's their starting pitching. Healy? Is Nolasco still throwing for them? Who? Ricky Nolasco. Mm, I don't even know if he's on the team anymore. Yeah, because I, I remember last year he was their opening day starter. <laughs> yep. Like he was, yep. He's not very good. Um, Garrett Richards is pitching for them. Yeah. Yep. Gonna, if he can Tyler stay healthy. Skaggs, well, that's their whole roster in general. Yeah. But Tyler Skaggs and Andrew Heaney were pitching for them. I know one of them just hit the DL again. And so that's why I don't see them making a run at all because they'd have to go and acquire a whole starting five of pitchers. Yeah. And, I mean, Justin Upton's getting old. Pujols is old. I mean, they got obviously the best player in the game right now, but like, He's do you think that Trout is going to stay with the Angels for the remainder of his career? Of this year? Is that what you said? Career. Oh, okay, okay. That's the guy. That's that's clearly us. Uh, career. You know, this is probably a whole different discussion we could have, but no, I I don't think that he will. I don't think he has any allegiance to LA and we all know that he's an Eagles fan he's a Philly guy he's from New Jersey yeah so I see him going to the Phillies because the Phillies are going to be nasty coming up but let's not get into NL too much Uh, how many more years on his contract I think he only has like two years of contract I thought it was two I'd have to confirm that got two years to make a contender or else he's gone yeah that's my and honestly, I don't think they have the farm system to do it because I don't think they don't have a good enough farm system. They got like, they, I think they got a shortstop that's pretty solid in their farm system. I forget his name, but like, nobody's gonna want a Justin Upton, like, because he's old. He has a really big contract, and I don't think he brings the team that much, honestly, at this point. Especially if you like, when you look at the free agent market last year, about how many good players are out there that were like. Not at the end of their career, but nearing the end of their career, and how long it took them to sign. Like, I just feel like teams aren't interested in getting those old players anymore. I agree. Don't hate me on this, but getting back to the playoff talk and stuff like that with the second wild card spot, don't hate me, but the Rays actually aren't that terrible of a pick. Hold on for a second. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're going to have to let uh, you yeah, explain this. I'm not this. sure about this, but whatever. You can defend your, you can state your case, and we'll go from there. Hell, getting a healthy archer back, the couple other starters they have, plus their weird bullpen games that they throw, they've done, they're two games above 500, and easily the most top-heavy division for sure. But they've been able to hold their own in this first half. They keep getting healthy. 
and Bowers and some of their other young studs come up and keep playing at the level they've been playing, all it takes is an injury or two for the Mariners like we just talked about and the athletics to perform like everybody thought the athletics would perform like. And they could be an outside shot at that second wild card spot. I mean, I could see it happening. Do I expect them to be the front runners for it? No. But I definitely think there's an outside shot they could make it in. Kind of like everyone, kind of like what happened with the Twins last year. How they're kind of a year before their time. I mean, weird things have happened. I feel like Tampa Bay's though quite a bit before their time. Like I feel like they're in the in between stage between rebuilding and like they still have pieces that they could trade away to like get prospects in and still not completely trash their team. So I don't know if I feel like they're in in between stage. Like they're debating whether to go full rebuild at this point because I don't see them competing with Boston or Yankees anytime soon. Like I said, but. I don't know. It's 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 a weird thing. And then staying over in the East, the O's are absolutely terrible. And what do they do? Because they have all their contract money wrapped up in Chris Davis, Adam Jones, who's a free agent after this year. But still, it's like, if you're the O's, like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Like, in the long term. Yeah, you know, you look five years ago. And you think that they had a pretty good window there, and and they did. They had a, they had a few ninety win seasons. Uh, great team, new manager, fresh. Uh, it is kind of a bummer for the fans to see a team collapse this hard because I mean this is historically bad uh, on pace for in the one hundred teams for losses right now. With 41 games below 500, they have 66 losses, a little over halfway through the season. Uh, it's it's still like, you know, I've had some pretty good advice given to me over the years, and if you just apply it to baseball, you say, what do you do with a bad player? It, you try to fix a bad player, but if you're still a bad player, and you're in the pros, this is, this is the pros here, you get rid of them, right? You cut them. And they say, oh, he's got a bad contract. Well, you can't fix the bad contract, so why not just cut your losses? I mean, I'm talking about Chris Davis at, at this point. Yeah. It, it's, it's, like, it's like you can't you just say like you can't send him down to the minors. Like, what's he going to do there? Is he ever going to make it back up? Because he's making too much money, and he has so much potential. But it's like, what do you, again, what do you do with a bad player? What do you do with a bad contract? You don't continue to make the same mistakes by playing the bad player, and you don't continue to make the same mistakes by letting the bad contract make you a worse team. Okay, but so if you're the Baltimore Orioles, we know that Manny Machado's not staying. You sell him for the best price. You could say you know, you might not want to sell him to your own division because then you have to face him more. But other than that, with the way intro league plays nowadays, it doesn't really matter where else you send them. And you just take your best package, you play your young players, you hope that the team has some sort of pulse for the rest of the season so you don't have your fans completely abandon you. But really, I mean, what else does a team like that do? What are you, what are you saying? To me, the Orioles and the Royals aren't that different from each other, personally. No, they're, they're the, a half the team. The better trade piece in Machado, but between 
between that, they're almost identical in my eyes. I mean, a couple years ago, they both looked like World Series contending teams. The Royals won one um, with their lights out bullpen and their all the players right. that are no longer on the squad. But, I mean, those two teams, honestly, it's just sell anything you can and then just try and build up the farm system and reload. You guys are talking about the Rays not going to contend to the Red Sox and Yankees. But, I mean, honestly, the Rays, Blue Jays, and Orioles every year is going to feel like that until they finally just let their young farm system play out and see if they actually build a team that can do it like the years when the Rays actually made it to the World Series. At some point, you're going to just have to let it go and turn itself around. The thing is, though, how many years does Chris Davis still have on his contract? Like two or three, maybe? More than what they want to cut. He signed, what, a 10-year deal or something like that? Or seven, seven, I don't ten think it year was deal? 10 years, but it was, wasn't it 10, was seven big. years, something? Just Bobby Vanilla, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> but who wants him? Like, there's nobody that would take that contract. I mean, you can maybe see the Yankees doing it. Like, no. Just, I mean, uh, just because that right porch, I feel like that might okay. turn him on, like, a little bit. And, like, but he's so Wait, bad. Never right, I pulled up. I pulled up some details here. Sorry to cut in. Seven years, $161 million. Oh. So that's $23 million on average for a season. He's through contract until 2000. In 23. Okay. So, let's... Talking about underperforming players, let's get into that little segment here. My pick for an underperforming player is Chris Davis. And I'm sure, because we've been talking about this for a while, so we don't have to go that deep Let's just beat a guy when he's already down. I mean, (laughs) yeah. It's like, it's unbelievable. Like, there's... Like, you should be able to, like... You're, you're a professional hitter. So, obviously, the let's launch everything out to right field or let's launch everything out to center field, that strategy isn't working anymore. So, you obviously have to look into different options. Like, try to hit line drives. Like, don't try to hit home runs all the time. Like, I don't yeah. understand that. Well, you're lucky he doesn't know what he's swinging at. That's part of the problem if we want to get into the fundamentals of his swing. But Ed, do you think this is this is a this is a shift question now? Do you think this is part of the product of the player, part of the product of the shift, or combination? Like where do you guys line between that? Because Chris Davis is a guy that we know he's one of the first players to get shifted on. And he got shifted heavily. So because we know he's a he's a big time pull hitter. That's what yeah. he does. No secret. Do you think part of his low production is because he is trying to hit around the shift and not around the shift. I should say he's trying to hit over the shift and the clearly hasn't worked out. Do you think that's what's contributed to his average? Or do you think this is just a player that's really lost all his marbles? I honestly think it's just a head game with him. Um, I feel like you can contribute it to a lot to the shift. Um, just cause like nowadays it seems like every player is getting shifted, which which I feel like is ingenious um, because why why would you go with the standard defense when you can eliminate more outs by s- switching guys around? Um, yeah, well, the stats know. show the batting average is relatively similar. 
uh, with before the shift. So around 2012, and teams started shifting the league average batting average to now is still relatively similar for batting average on balls in play. Okay, but um, I agree with that. Well, obviously I do because the stats say it, but I feel like the people are changing the way they hit. Like, at, you remember at the Tampa Bay Rays spring training, there was that picture that surfaced about um, them putting nets around the infield and you had to hit it over the nets? Like, nobody's teaching, like, how to hit holes anymore. They're all teaching about, like, hitting fly balls or line, like, driving gap shots. And I feel like the average just kind of stayed the same. It's because people have adopted the whole launch angle thing. Um, but I don't know. Because I'm obviously not on a major league team, so I wouldn't be able to know what, what's going through their head or what's what, what they're being told to do. So. Yeah, that's an interesting scenario. But I, I can certainly agree Chris Davis is on the performing player. I, I don't I mean, sure, there are plenty of other players. If you want to, again, I should probably stay away from talking Minnesota too much, but Brian Dozier's up there on the list. So is that Logan under- Morris in for another signing. Yeah. I mean, they, you just pull up a list of players hitting below the Mendoza line, so hitting under 200. I mean, another person on that list that is paid, he's not paid a, rant, a rich contract, but you get paid to bring in, to be on a team and be hitting five in the lineup and you just can't perform like Logan Morrison. I mean, that really sinks a small market team and that's something i was thinking about we're talking about the royals and orioles this is a question for you guys here we're fans of a small market team in the minnesota twins also so this so this applies and this applies to other people that are listening here too if you're a small market franchise would you rather have a three-year window when you can really win it and then go through the low of lows meaning you're the Orioles or Royals this season, where it's just hard to watch baseball because you're so bad. Would you like to have a high for three years in order to have a low for five or however long that low lasts? Or would you rather be, I mean, a a team that kind of floats around and barely makes the playoffs as a wildcard team? So they're they're good seasons. They're they're like, oh, wow, they surprised some people. They win 90 games, and then their low season's like, oh, yeah, they won 65, 70 games. Like, you know, ho-hum, another season. No one expected them to be good anyway. Like, would you rather kind of fluctuate around the middle and be tolerable, still make the playoffs every once in a while as a surprise team, or would you rather be really good than really bad? I'm going to let Logan answer this one first. Honestly, for me, the competitor in me, I'd rather go for it all and go for broke and try and get that championship. I mean, the World Series is what you're playing for. Um, I mean, yeah, it would. It really sucks watching these bad teams be bad over and over again. But then you see a team like the Astros make that special run and win it all finally after so long, or the Cubs stuff like that like honestly that i would take being over being a less than average to average team or bottom dweller team and then having the chance to finally have it all come together and have that championship window any day of the year because that's what you're playing i completely agree with you um i thought you were gonna say the opposite um, but I, 
if I'm the if I'm a low market team, I want to go for it, go for broke because as a fan, even I want to I would much rather see my team win a World Series and then go below five hundred for the next five to six years, seven years, however long, than get eliminated in the NLDS every year. You know. Because you're not going to outbid those big market teams to try and get that one or two pieces that you might be away on those average years compared to the other teams. You're not going to be able to go get those pieces in the offseason. Yeah. Like the like the Yankees, like L.A. You're not going to be able to do that, so why not build up through the farm system like the Cubs, like Astro, try and hit the jackpot like they have and then try and sustain it as long as you can. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, That's fine. That's fine. The Astros and Cubs are not small market teams, by the way. I just want to throw a disclaimer in there. It's a little different. It's a little different when you sign Verlander, and then you're like, oh, we won a World Series. Let's sign Garrett Cole. Cool. But they got to the point where they likely could have or almost would have won the World Series after being bottom dwellers forever and building up their young, amazing core, and being that one piece away. I agree. Um, I Yeah, well, I think we should move on to first half awards, because we could talk about this forever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Logan, who do you have for your first half awards? Well, let's start off with the MVP award, and we can all rotate through ours, have our discussions on the MVP for me, it's tough picking a, someone off a team who's currently in fourth place in the AL West. But you look at Mike Trout and what he does each and every single year, and what can you say other than he continues to amaze each and every year? Um, there's other good players in the league having amazing seasons, but... At the midway point, he's already at six and a half wins above replacement. He has a 312 batting average and over 400 plate appearances. His K percent and walk percent are equal. He has 25 home runs and 13 steals. So, I mean, he could potentially be a 40, 20, 40, 30 type player. And he also plays center field with pretty good defense. I won't say up to the level of a Byron Buxton or someone like that, but. He's well above average in compared to other center fielders. And yes, the team around him is not living up to expectations, especially after Otani went down with injuries and their pitching can never stay healthy. But I mean, what more do you want from a MVP type player? Um, I mean, I agree, but um, I mean, Trout's always going to be in the MVP discussion. Um, but my, I was torn between two picks this year, um, between Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez. Um, Mookie Betts won out by a little bit purely because J.D. Martinez doesn't play defense. He is, he is like, in for Boston, he's been primarily DH for them, uh, which is fine. But, like, in my opinion, you need the defensive aspect in order to win a most valuable player. Um but, like, J.D. is hitting almost 330. You know, he's leading the league in home runs with 28. He's hit his 28th on Monday. Um, he has an inc- 
Fred. But he has, he's leading the league in RBIs. Um, and he also is third in on-base plus slugging. Um, but my pick was Mookie Betts um, because he's leading the league in average um, with hitting 342, which is insane. Um, he is he has hit 22 bombs, which is still really good. Um, he's not a power hitter, but like he's a small guy, but he, he you know he's gonna hit. He's on pace to hit over 40 this year. Um, he is he is leading the league in on base plus slugging with over a thousand. Um, Mike Trout comes in second. But I think he's a dynamic player, and he's an <clears throat> he's an exciting player to watch. Um, so that's my pick. That's fair. So I'm gonna do something for you guys here. I I don't want Logan George. I don't want you to spoil it yet. So this is something for you guys, listeners here. Try to try to figure out which player I'm talking about. I have a different pick than both of these two guys so far. So I'm just gonna read off some stats for you. So let's call let's say player X for now, since he's unknown. We've got a batting average of 288 with 25 doubles, 24 homers, 59 RBIs with 60 runs scored. He has walked 54 times to only 45 strikeouts. And for the icing on the cake, he's one of the league, the AL league leaders in stolen bases with 19. His war so far this season, so a little over halfway, his total war is 5.8. And this player X, if you guys don't already know, a kicker, he's 5'9", he's 165, and he's Jose Ramirez, the Cleveland Indian. And I just feel like he he's one of those players that I go to bat for because he's quiet. He plays on a smaller market team, but still a very good team. And he shows up every single day, plays great baseball day in, day out. I mean, you heard his war. His war almost halfway through the season is 5.8. That's right up there with someone like Mike Trout. Who's six and a half, by the way. Yeah, yeah that's better. incredible. <laughs> but, I mean, we talk about Mike Trout and then everybody else. Yeah. And Mike Trout and then maybe it's Mookie Betts or J.D. Martinez is hitting 28 home runs already, like, you know, and hitting 300 to boot and all that. The OPS above 1,000. Ramirez's OPS is 971, which is still right up there. And he's great. Well, he's about an average, maybe slightly plus third baseman. But also has the option to slide over on the infield, too, if necessary. So it's just, he's a player that I defend because you say all those stats, and you're like, oh, yeah, you're checking all the boxes. This player... This is a five-tool player. This is an elite five-tool player. And he's only been around for a couple of years, so he doesn't he's done known super-duper well. But his oh, yeah. numbers compare. His comparables are up there with the best of the players in the American League. So I don't think there's any chance that he necessarily gets the MVP unless he, he lights it up this whole second half of the season. It's hard to argue for anyone over Mike Trout, to be honest. He's just different. But still... His numbers are definitely recognizable and deserve some attention. And I'm glad that he was voted in as an all-star. And I'll be starting. I agree with you on Ramirez. Honestly, he was in contention for my pick. Um, I'm another Ramirez truther have been since two years ago. Or whenever he broke out two, three years ago. 
Um, I think that he does everything well. He might not lead all of the categories, but he is going to be top five in almost all of them. Um, but honestly, how do you vote against Mike Trout? Unless you take the team angle into it. That's where I can see Betts and Ramirez fitting into the picture. That's fair. I just, so since you guys went, go, go ahead, George. I'm just not a big Ramirez. I like, I'm not on board with him yet. Like, I feel like he's having a really good season, but like, I don't think he, I don't think he's going to be like that for his career. Like right now he's putting up Hall of Fame numbers and I don't think that he's going to, you know, continue that throughout his career. Like if you're going to take someone in the infield, I would much rather have an Jose Altuve, you know? Um, but I, uh, he's going to get MVP votes. I don't think he's going to win it. Um, but I, it's a solid pick, but I, I'm just not on board with him yet. Okay, that's fine. Well, can I, can I play a little, again, play my player X, player Y thing here and do a 2017 throwback? So just looking at last year for some stats, I'll just read off some stats. So we're going to go with player X, player Y, or player A, player, a, player B. Whatever your preference is. Well, we'll start with A. So this is, this is player A. This is unknown. This is 2017 stats. Player A hit 264 with an OPS. Or, okay, I'll go through his travels here. Hit 264 batting average, 344 on base, and an OPS of 803. He had 46 doubles, 24 homers, 102 RBIs, 101 runs scored, walked 77 times, and had 79 strikeouts, had a war of 6.4. That's player A. So overall, player a war of 6.4. This is last year. And then player B hit 318, put on base of 374, and OPS of 957. He had 56 doubles, 29 home runs, 83 RBI, 107 runs scored with 52 walks, 69 strikeouts, and had a war of 6.9. Player A, any guesses? Uh, Altuve? Nope. Oh, man. These what? are both American League. We're sticking American League here. Player A is Mookie Betts. I was going to say, Mookie I felt Bet, like yeah. that it was going to be Betts. Okay. Player A was Mookie Betts. And player B, Jose Ramirez. Uh, I tried to make that one clear. But, I mean, so you're saying you think Jose Ramirez is a one-year kind of like, oh, like, you know, he's having Hall of Fame type of season, but he's not going to stick it around. I mean, everyone loves Mookie Betts. I mean, it's warranted too because he's having a great season he's had a couple all-star seasons in 2016 he had better numbers in 2017 but it's just my way of saying like we've got to take the name away from the player sometimes and look at it try to be objective and say wow this guy had better numbers than Mookie Betts last year yet people still don't believe in him yet they're easy to write on Mookie Betts and say oh yeah he's you know, the next candidate for an MVP behind Mike Trout. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. But, again, he's only been in the league for two, two and a half years now. So, 
Um, Same amount of time as Mookie Betts. No. Mookie Betts has been for like three or four, hasn't he? Mookie Betts played his first full season. Let's see. He came. He played 52 games in 2014. 2015 is his first full, pretty much full season up in the big. Yeah, so three and a half years. And then Jose Ramirez played, let's see, 68 games in 2014, 97 games in 2015, and 152 games in 2016. Okay, so they're they're about they're the same there. Um, pretty comparable. Sorry to interrupt, but the 97 games was simply because they didn't know where to play him on their already stacked infield at the time. Thank you for that. Like right field and left field, getting a couple games in the infield. Then they finally played him full time halfway through that season. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing that he's a good player. I just, you know, I don't know. I'm just not on board yet. He's not. He's yeah. not exciting to watch. Like I like watching Mookie Betts. Like Mookie Betts is an exciting player to watch. Mike Trout is an exciting player to watch. I just don't have that same feeling with Ramirez right now. When I don't know why, I just don't. He doesn't give you the flash. Yeah, which is fun. Like I like seeing that. Like someone who can ah. play with flash, but like still play sound. Like Mike Trout is one of, is is very sound, but. He plays with a lot of flash, and he plays with, like, you know, he he just plays free, and I feel like Ramirez doesn't. Um, oh, come on. Wow. That's that, he. Can, I, of course he plays an, free. He's just a on a smaller market. Opinion. He's on a smaller market, and his right next to him, Frankie Lindor, plays with flash, so he gets a lot of attention. Okay. And Edwin Carcinon, who is right behind him, throws the hook around every time he hits home run. So, yeah, those guys get more attention. Yeah. Okay, but, but then let's three look at this and the anchor of that lineup is Jose Ramirez in Cleveland. He up, does his job, and let's move on to the Cy Young because that's never gonna end. <laughs> okay. Last thing, Jose Ramirez steals more bases than Mookie Betts. Who would have thought that? Just saying. Just saying. Okay. Jose Ramirez has a lot more protection in the lineup. Um, Cy Young. Uh, Sam, do you want to start with your pick? Sure. Yeah, tough one for me here. Uh, I have it for me is between Verlander and Severino, and right now if I had to place a vote, I'd vote for Verlander personally. And uh, his whips, what point one point eight six? His ERA is just above two. His opponent batting average is in the one eighties. Uh, the guy's hardly walking anyone. His his K rate for nine innings is through the roof. Plays for a winning team. He anchors one of the best rotations. Uh, really hard to argue against Justin Verlander for a pick. I mean, That's there's still a few months left to go, but I mean, it's 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 impressive because how many seasons has he played now? I should look this up. How many seasons has Justin Verlander played now? Oh, and we kind of rid him. We kind of wrote him off. I mean, he played with the Tigers for so long and. Um, had some amazing seasons, but also really had control issues. Uh, and then somehow reinvented himself out in Houston and has now been an incredible force for a few seasons here. But so far, he's my vote for MVP, AL MVP, or AL Scion, excuse me. All right. Cool. All right. So mine, I was, I was conflicted between two players again, um, between Snell and Severino, um, both really young guys. Um, I think Snell's like, what, 23 and Severino's like 22 or something like that? I mean, they're young. Yeah, it makes me feel old. 
dumb. <laughs> 24. Severino and Snell are 1-2 in ERA, but Snell edges them out by three points. So, I mean, they're basically identical. That's one run. Um, what else? Uh, Severino has a lower whip. I mean, he's beneath one. Snell is at 1.03 right now, um, which is still pretty elite. Um, that is eighth in the league right now. Um, who else? Or what else? Um, Snell also has 12 wins, which is third in the league. Uh, and Severino has 14. Um, which I don't, like, take too much. The, I take the win category with a grain of salt. Like, the, what? Kyle Gibson has, like, three wins on the year, and he's been pitching probably one of the better... He's been one of the better pitchers in the Twins rotation. Um, so like, Oh, yeah. He's, he's in the top 25 for... ERA and whip has got to be close too. Yeah, so I picked Snell because of this reason. Um, Tampa Bay is twenty fifth in the league in run production, so Snell is always in tight ball games. So there's a lot of pressure on him. Um, Severino has one of the best lineups in the league behind him. So, like, he normally has run protection. I know he pitches in Yankee Stadium, which is harder, but Trop is also a launching pad. Um, so I feel like it's a lot harder, from my own experiences, I feel like it's a lot harder to pitch when you don't have a lead um, or anything like that. You, you, have no, you have no sense of, be, like, getting settled in. Um, also, I feel like there's a lot of pressure that falls on Snell to to go out there and give his team a good start because of their bullpen is overworked with that uh, fifth spot in the rotation taking up or been taking up by their bullpen. So I feel like there's a lot of pressure on him to perform on his starts and go deep into ball games, um, and he's doing it with an incredibly low ERA, almost a sub two. Um, so that's my pick, and that's my reasoning for it. I kind of went into a more like non-statistical look at it, um, but that's my pick. All right. Well, you guys already both mentioned the Cy Young Award winner, and that is going to be Luis Severino. So he's fourteen-two. Um, I understand that. Yes, wins are somewhat controversial. Um, especially being on the New York Yankees or the Mad Town Bombers. Um, I mean, they put up a bunch of runs for him, but he also has the second lowest ERA at 2.12. Um, he has gone at least five innings in all of his nine starts and at least six innings in all but six of them. No, all but four of them. Um... You combine that with getting at least five strikeouts in every single one of his starts on the entire season. His K's per nine is 10.4 as a starting pitcher with a walks per nine just above two. Um, if you look at that and combine that with the opponents are hitting 197 against him on the entire season. That's absurd to have a sub 200 batting average against and his whip not to go along with all that, but to put the cherry on top, is 0.96 on the season. 
Which is insane. Which is insane. You just made my point for me. Yeah. Like, he has a one whip halfway through the season, and he's pitched 123 innings on it. I mean, I don't want to undermine you guys, but Verlander has a lower whip, batting average against more strikeouts. Yes. And, I, I mean, I don't know. He's I good. mean, Verlander I get it. Verlander's good. Yeah, I'll give you that. I think all of them are good picks. I mean, I feel like all of them are going to be in contention. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like the race is tight this year in MVP and in Cy Young. I just feel like it's tight around the board. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's part of the fun. I mean, also I have to give some credit here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do a deep dive through some stats. Luis Severino, despite pitching in Yankee Stadium, has only given up eight home runs this entire season. That's yeah, ins- that's impressive. That was, was going to be one of my arguments if you guys brought it up. His home runs per nine is only at zero point five eight, which for a pitcher in Yankee Stadium. I'm not sure when the last time a Yankee starting pitcher has had a home runs per nine that low pitching with that right field corner. Yeah. And home I mean, runs fly ball is less than eight percent, whereas his ground ball percentage is over forty five. I mean when you yeah. when you complement his fastball, which it hits triple digits with a ninety mile an hour slider. I mean, you're obviously going to get a lot of weak contact. So, I don't know. I feel like I, he's nasty. I can't I can't disagree with you on that pick because he has a really good shot at winning it. Um, I also like the Verlander pick, but I don't know. I'm going to stick with Snell. I think he's kind of an underdog. I kind of like him. That's fine. So, thank you guys for mentioning the AL Cy Young winner for me. Walk <laughs> away. Yeah, so all we have all we have left here for first half awards uh, is rookie of the year, and we were talking about this in our production meeting before the show. It's just that we really don't think there's any American League rookies that have really stood out. I mean, I mean there are some names, um, although no one is really. I mean, it's just a little bit weaker than the National League. So I'm just curious, who do you guys have for your American League rookie of the year? Um, I went with Otani. It's I don't I don't honestly he's probably not gonna win it. Um, I feel like Torres is, but I feel like he could come around and make a good make a good run at it. Um, just I mean his story is awesome. He's hitting two seventy five with seven bombs. He came in like a couple days ago and hit a walk off not walk off but pinch hit home run against the Dodgers. Um. And also, before he got hurt, I mean, he was lights out pitching. I mean, he was a 3-3 ERA. Um, no, he was a 3-1-4 ERA. He was lower than his projected, um, and he was 5-1. and one. Um, So, like, if you put those together, like, even at this point in the season, I feel like if, we're, if, if the season were to stop today – he would definitely be my pick because of the being able to hit and contribute at the plate and being able to go out and give you, you know, starts. Um, 
which I feel like is really important and it's, it's something that we haven't had to think about or consider in awards but that's like that's incredibly valuable and hard to do um but i i it's it's, it's a tough pick because there's not very many options in the american league this year but that's that's what i'm going with well sam i know that you and i are sharing a person for this one i was looking around if Shohei Otani doesn't sprain his elbow and get shut down pitching for the rest of the year. I think he likely walks away with this award. Um, now that he can only DH for the rest of the season, I think that's going to decrease his value. I still think his bat could be elite or above average if he focuses on that for the rest of the season. But I don't think that that's going to be enough to have him win the Rookie of the Year over Glaber Torres. I just think that the fact that Glaber Torres is shot out to 15 home runs um, while still maintaining a 294 average halfway through the season, I think says a lot. He never showed that power all the way through the minors, looking back at his minor league stats. His previous high was in high A ball with nine home runs. But playing in Yankee Stadium probably doesn't hurt that game. But, I mean, if he can keep those numbers up, I don't see any reason, unless somebody else really tears up the second half, why he doesn't win this award. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, we have the same pick here. It's Gleyber Torres. Uh, just a, another fun fact here for stats, you guys. I want you guys to try to guess the Yankees leaders in OPS this year. So, I mean... I'm not a Yankees fan. I feel like you're kind of either you love the Yankees or you hate them. They're just one of those teams, a very successful franchise. And coming from Minnesota, I just have no reason to like the Yankees. And I'm sure any Yankees fans listening understand why. But we should do this because this is pretty intriguing. Uh, it's slight diversion from the rookie of the year, but I like this. And I want you guys to guess from the top down who is leading the Yankees in OPS, and then just try to say, like, the top five guys in OPS for the Yankees in order, if you guys can do that. All right, I'll take a shot. So we're going to go with... Oh. <laughs> we're going to go with Judge 1. Okay, Aaron Judge is 1, that's correct. Torres 2. Torres is number 2. At, at, so it's all, I'll, just, I'll, I'll say it as we go. Aaron Judge is hit has OPS of 965. Glaber Torres, uh, 905 for OPS. Okay, keep going. All right. And Duhar, three. Uh, oh, nope. go with Duhar at three, too. Nope, and Duhar is down there. He's not three. He's not even top five. Oh, shoot. Ooh, really? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Brett Gardner. So, all right, I'll finish. No, nope, Brett Gardner... Brett Gardner is 749. He's way down there. My my number four pick. Do we, was, do we still need. My number four pick was going to be Didi, and then number. Didi Gregorius is 775. He is just above Brett Gardner, but still down there. Not top five. Number five was going to be Stanton. Yeah, so Stanton. That that's in my mind. Like when I think, oh, who has the highest OPS? It's got to be Judge. It's got to be Stanton. Staten is at 864. He is number one, two, three. He's number four. Staten's number four. 
Who would be is, number three? Is Hicks in there? Hicks is number three. Hicks is Aaron Hicks. Yeah, season. I didn't think he had enough playing time. He's played 70 games. Okay. I knew he was more than Gleyber Torres. I knew he was hurt. I just thought it was for longer than that. Yeah, I mean, we both know it doesn't affect OPS. But, yeah, like that's – it's impressive. So, Aaron Hicks is number three. And then any guesses as to number five? I mean, it's not Sanchez. It can be Sanchez. He's not been playing well this year at all. No. Gary Sanchez is far down there. Oh, man. Neil Walker? Uh, nope. Romine? Romine. If you want to give him enough games. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I know. Hitting his OPS is 840, which is above Andujar and Didi DeGorius and Brett Gardner and Gary Sanchez, Greg Bird. Go on. Yeah, Greg Bird hasn't done anything. I know. I just threw him in there for some credit. But anyway, pretty crazy. I mean, again, not a Yankees fan, and we're spending some time talking about them. But it's just to show how impressive their lineup is. When you have someone like Stanton, who's fourth in OPS, I mean, then you can go on down the line. It's just very impressive what they've been able to put together for a ball club. Yeah, I agree. Um, this will kind of allude back into our final segment, which is going to be um, playoff teams or World Series champion picks from the AL at this point in the season. Who do you see going to win the American League, um, going into the playoffs even, um, but mainly who's going to win the American League this year? Sure, you know, this is going to be something we do every podcast as well, just kind of wrapping it up by saying where we think we're at, if we do this weekly. Um, so I'll try to be rather quick with my picks here. Um, I've got the Red Sox out of the AL East. I've got the Indians out of the Central, Astros out of the West. I've got Red Sox as number one. Ooh. And... Mar- wild card one, Mariners wild card number two. As much as I just don't necessarily believe in them, you can't fault with success. They win the close games. They're 23 games above 500. They've got to be at least somewhat real at this point. Although I think the sixth wild card spot in the American League is still kind of up for grabs. Uh, and I would say just winning it all. Uh, you know, I think it's really interesting. The Yankees might have to go through another wild card game. I think that'd be pretty funny and be awesome if. Severino blew up in the first inning like he did to that game last year. See if they'd be interesting to see if they gave him another chance. Uh, you know, I just I just think it's really hard to repeat. So it's kind of I mean you just you're just throwing darts at this point. So that's uh, throwing the Astros out just because it's so so hard to repeat oh. no matter how good you are. I know that's false logic, but uh, my pick is the Yankees. As much as I don't like them, I see them fighting through the wild card and then really putting it down in the postseason. Uh, it's just hard with that type of lineup. And I know pitching and defense wins games in October more so than the rest of the year, but it's really hard to, for me to pick another team right now. Not really. The Yankees don't have a rotation. Who are you going to throw out there for a game three if you're the Yankees? 
CC's learning to pitch with some crap. Oh my gosh. <laughs> CC, you're going to trust CC's the bad game. I'm just three. throwing it out there. Hey, there's flaws, and every team still, as complete as we think teams are, there are still flaws. And the Astros are pretty good. I like, I like to say back. postseason experience matters. I mean, it's okay. That's fine. You can have a different pick. I don't like picking the New York Yankees, but that's at this week. I mean, that could change. Hey, it's still early. This is before the All Star break here. All and right. For the sake of being different, go ahead. Um, I'm gonna go with the Astros, obviously, to win the AL. Um, I just feel like their rotation is nasty because you got Verlander. You got Cole Keuchel, who has won a Cy Young, who's still nasty. He's having a little bit of a down year this year. Uh, Charlie Morton. They need McCullers. help. Yeah, they need help in their bullpen. Um, which and where I, are they going to get it? Zach Britton. That's a big question. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Do you, how much do you believe in Zach Britton? Guy's oh, been hurt and no, he, hasn't I mean, pitched in a high-pressure game for years. Yeah. But I'm going to go with the Astros winning the AL. Um, I feel like the Boston's going to squeak out and win the East over the Yankees. Um, and then I feel like the um, Seattle's going to be a wild card and Boston's also going to be a wild card with the Indians coming out of the Central. Um, but... I don't know. I feel like, that, uh, I, like Sam said, it's like throwing darts at this point in the season. You don't know if teams are going to crash or what trade moves they're going to make um, to try to better their chances. But those that's that's my pick for at, right at this point. So for me in the AL, I am going to have the Red Sox being the one seed in the AL. I just think that their pitching and their offense is going to um, propel them up over the Yankees by a little bit. Right. I, we all agree that. I think that's actually pretty interesting. But yeah, yeah, okay, go on. I just think that compared to the Astros, I think that they have the easier bottom half of their division to finish up the year on. And that's going to help them out compared to having to compete with the Mariners, Athletics, Angels, Rangers towards the end of the season to try and get that one seed. They have to compete with the Yankees, but the Astros also have to compete with the Mariners and Athletics and the Angels on any given night. Um, so that's my pick for the one seed. Second, I'd have to give it to the Astros. I mean, like you guys have mentioned, third goes to the Indians because who else in the Central is going to catch them? If they have arm issues, Maybe the Twins, maybe the Tigers, but let's be honest, that's going to be the worst division coming into the playoffs out of all of them. And then for the wild card, one's going to the Yankees. But for the second wild card, honestly, I'm going to go with the Athletics. I I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. That's dumb. Cross the Mariners pitching staff's arms down this. I don't trust Paxton. I don't know if he's ever touched 190 or more than 180 innings in a season before. Mike Peek, I mean, can we talk about a regression candidate? (laughs) 
Marco Gonzalez, he's turned it around some, but, I mean, he's really the only other guy I've even heard of. Felix is past his prime. He's done. He has back injury on the DL right now. I mean, he's more done than what Clayton Kershaw looked like at the beginning of the season. Um, and that was pretty bad, if we're going to not lie here. So that's my kind of upset to try and change things around a bit. I could see the Mariners pulling it off. But honestly, if I think there's a spot to be had, it's going to be that second wild card coming out of the NLS. Yeah, I honestly, I, I agree with you on that too. I feel like the Oakland can be a huge sleeper team. And nobody's really paying attention to them right now. They're not playing with a whole lot of pressure on them. So I don't know. I feel like that could that could definitely happen. Um, but. Almost A's, but I thought I might get shouted out of the building. So. Oh, you would have gotten. I don't even know the if they finish above 500, but that's fine. Oh, I'm. I'll take bets with you right now that they will finish below 500, 100 percent. Yeah, I know you agree. That's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> about the same odds as Nick Castellanos making the the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know, we didn't talk about the Tigers much, but that's okay. That's that's a side thing. You know, all the teams, we should do our due diligence. We really didn't talk about the Texas Rangers. You know, no one really has. Um, if you want to give give credit, how about Sin Chu Chu over in Texas? And uh, they've got Elvis Andrews back. They still have the ageless wonder of Adrian Beltre and Cole Hamels anchoring that uh, rotation. I don't think we need to talk about them much, but just if there's any Rangers fans listening, thanks for sticking with us. <laughs> we might talk about you more another time. Unfortunately, it's just a rather insignificant season for another team that has not won a World Series. And sticking with us, but I wouldn't really call Cole Hamels anchoring that rotation. No, <laughs> no. Who else? Um, uh, anybody? Mike Miner. Mike Miner's been having a solid year. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, okay, all right. Paul Hamels didn't even make it over the first inning the other night. Yeah, well, that happens. <laughs> Never happened to me, but... <laughs> neither neither to me, so it's fine. Oh, it's happened to me. 100%. Uh, well, we are over an hour right now, so we should probably wrap this thing up. Um, thanks, for everybody, for listening uh, for the first ever Jackson Rams baseball podcast. Um, we'll... Try to be posting every week for you guys to listen in. Next week's topic will be the NL. We'll be kind of doing what we did this week, except um, on the National League um, side of things. Um, anything you guys want to uh, say to wrap it up? That was a fun first podcast, guys. We're doing this pretty off the cuff. Like I said, we had a production meeting, but pretty informal stuff. So, well, we're just kind of trying to live the dream, make a podcast if you like us. Yeah, we really appreciate the listen. We're going to try to give out good content for you guys. Try to have fun. We'll learn as we go a little bit. So thanks for sticking with us. And I'm sure we'll get a little bit more, some background about ourselves so you guys can understand a little bit. But for now, this is a great first episode, guys. Yeah, I I second all that information. Um, was interesting doing this for the very first time. I'm excited to keep doing it. Uh, it'll be interesting as we continue diving into this all the all the hopefully all the listeners and everything that we can get um let us know what you like what we need to fix um anything like that we'll give you a little bit more background information maybe on the next episode and we're just trying to have some fun and talk about the sport that we love and 
with that, thank you all for listening and have a good night.